We're inviting everyone as you come in. Thank you. Welcome. If you could put yourself on mute because I don't want to have to mute everyone. All right, let's get started. Good evening. Welcome to our National Monthly Peace Builder Call. We hold this call each month to highlight specific peacebuilding efforts around our country to inform and inspire you. And we are, tonight's call um, is going to be recorded and we're also streaming it on Facebook Live. So just to let everyone know that that's happening. My name is Deanne Tate, and I serve as the managing director of the Peace Alliance. And we're also streaming it on. We are an alliance of organizers and advocates uh, taking the work of peace building from the margins of society into the center of national discourse and policy priorities. Throughout this call, we're going to be dropping some links in the chat box on the Zoom, as well as the chat in uh, the thread on Facebook. So if you click on any of these links, they'll open in your browser and you can go back and review them after the call is done if you choose to. If you don't have your chat window open, you can click on the chat button at the bottom menu of the Zoom. The Peace Alliance is guided by the five cornerstones of peace. We've identified these five cornerstones as community peace building, humanizing the justice system, fostering international peace, practicing peace in schools, and cultivating personal peace. These five cornerstones are endorsed in the Blueprint for Peace. And if you click on the link in the chat that will, um, that will propagate, uh, it will allow you to send emails and tweets to your elected officials to ask them to consider the Blueprint for Peace as they craft policy priorities toward peace building and violence reduction. The five cornerstones of peace and the blueprint for peace support the vision and legislation for a cabinet level U.S. Department of Peacebuilding, which is represented by a bill that's in the House right now called H.R. 1111, sponsored by Representative Barbara Lee from California. I'm going to invite Kendra Mon, who is a member of the Department of Peacebuilding Campaign Committee, to share just a few minutes about this legislation which commemorated its 21st anniversary of the first version of the bill being dropped just yesterday. Kendra, can you come off mute and share with our group about the bill? Yes, thank you so much. Um, and uh, we are celebrating the, not only the birthday, but the coming of age of the Department of Peace Building. So now it's 21 years old, the modern era. And um, you can go to the website, the Peace Alliance website that posted earlier in the chat to find out more about the bill and more about actions that you can take. Um, there, we are making 11 calls for each of the months of this year to legislators. And so the list is there on the website. And also on the calendar in the upper right corner of the Peace Alliance webpage is the link to the calendar. And on there is the third Wednesday call, the Department of Peace Building call, campaign call. And I wanted to just tell you just briefly about 
two things that are happening. The global summit of ministries um, and infrastructures for peace and um, worldwide people that are working for that worldwide is gonna be held this October in Colombia where they just recently elected a president that's going to um, promise to create a ministry for peace and also the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission just released a three-year report uh, and they also recommended the Department of having a Ministry of Peace. And our own Secretary of Interior, Deb Hallen, is conducting a tour, a listening tour of Native American reservations, asking to hear the stories about the forced um, government schooling of the youngsters. So things are happening all around the world and in our country, and join us. Thank you. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks so much for getting us up to, up to speed on that. Now I'd like to introduce Jay Thompson to begin our dialogue tonight. Jay serves as the community peacebuilding team lead for the Peace Alliance, where she is a peace ambassador and founder of the Bring the Peace movement. She also serves as the director of development for We Can't Breathe, the executive co-director of Florida Restorative Justice Association, and she is co-founder of Unity 360 Institute. She has nothing going on. She's got lots of time on her hands. We are so grateful uh, at the Peace Alliance to have her on our team. And we look forward to this very important dialogue tonight. So Jay, I'm going to pass it on to you. I have been looking forward to this dialogue this evening because I have um, some people that I'm building new relationships with and some people that I've had longstanding relationships with. Um, and so I'm really excited to be able to utilize the Peace Alliance platform to amplify and uplift stories of people in community that have been really directly impacted by violence. It was really important for me to um, organize this conversation because as we are having conversations about peace and thinking about what peace building looks like, it's really important, I believe, to hear from um, the folks that are most directly impacted to learn what their needs are so that we can have that in our consideration as we're building out uh, peace building dialogues. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I have some really good friends that have been on and then um, fun people that I'm building relationship with. So I am going to turn to my good friend, Emerald Gardner, um, who will speak into, to, we are celebrating, uh, commemorating 11 days of action um, to speak into uh, Emerald's work that she's doing since the loss of her father, the murder of her father, Eric Gardner. Um, and so welcome Emerald, I'm glad to have you here. We also have somebody that was instrumental in uh, supporting Emerald and amplifying um, what her needs were uh, right very close to when the loss of her father came and that is Atan Thomas who was able to use his platform as a um, professional athlete, author, activist at the time to really amplify. And so in this moment, I'm going to introduce Emerald um, and I'm introducing Atan, offering them into the space 
and um, Emerald will tell her story and then be able to pass it on to our other colleagues who I'm building relationship with. So we have Darlene McDay on the phone. We have Tamara Carter on the phone. We have uh, Denise Holloman on the phone. I'm looking at all of the people who have joined us um, that have been with us um, during our Healing Justice Institute. Emerald is being the visionary that Emerald is and has recognized that there was a need. Um, Diane Waterman and uh, Katerina from Unqualified Immunity New York, um, recognizing that there is a need for people who have been directly impacted to have a space where they can come together and talk. And so passing it on to you to open up the space to our Healing Justice Initiative, Emerald. Thank you. Good evening, good evening. Please excuse my hoarse voice. I'll try to speak up as much as I can. Um, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who joined, who um, tapped in um, and just been a support, been just along for the journey. Um, everybody knows I'm always losing my voice. I've been doing a lot of work the past couple of days. Um, my name is Emerald Garner, the youngest daughter of Eric Garner, and I started uh, my nonprofit about two years ago, officially. Um, but before that, I was doing work in the community, speaking, um, you know, just really talking into what, what the trauma felt like, um, what my experiences were. And um, when I decided to start my nonprofit, I wanted to start my, my nonprofit with the purpose of helping people that are like me. And um, when we started to do the 11 days of action, which I'm speaking into now, we're currently on day six, and um, we are just doing a lot of things, doing a lot of actions. Um, my father screamed, I can't breathe 11 times. Um, and he did not get any help. He was laid out, you know, he did not get the support. He did not get the justice that he deserved. And to this day, people are still being choked and still being killed. And it's at the hands of police officers, irresponsible police officers, medical professionals, et cetera. And um, when I decided to do 11 days of action, you know, just celebrating the, the memorial once a year, um, you know, you only see people when the memorial comes around or if something happens, if it comes back in the news. But I always say, what happens when the cameras go away? We go home, we, we're in our thoughts, we're in our feelings. Uh, we have people telling us, when are you gonna get over it? It's been eight years, when are you gonna get over it? And the reality is never. It's never gonna go away. It's never gonna be something that I can get over. It's never gonna be something that I am gonna be fully healed from. But where does my healing begin if it, keep happening, if it keeps happening? Every time I turn on the TV, every time I speak to another person um, who's, who's in this club that we don't want to be a part of, it's the same thing. Tamara is, is, is um, you know, keeping count. We're on number 26 of persons who's died, who, who have um, been killed in Rikers Island due to negligence and multiple other things as, you know, the way that she lost her son. And it's like, how do we begin to heal if we don't? change it like you know we could get laws passed we can march we can protest we can do die-ins we can do all these things but what is going to be the change and what about us when we're in the background and we're you know going through our our issues where's our support where's the people that'll tell us listen i know that you have to go to protest go to go to the news you have to go here i'll watch your kids for you 
while you go there, where are the people that'll be like, oh, you you want to do you you have three kids, you know? I didn't, you know, after my sister died, I took her two children. You know, I don't get to do things with them. Like, oh, it'd be great if my nephew could go to basketball, or if he could go to football, or if the girls could go to ballet or go to karate or something. That's nice. That's a nice idea. But on one salary, taking care of three children, how does that work? So it's like it's even more than that. So yes, I can go stand on stages. I can go and talk to celebrities. I could go and, you know, go to the BET honors. I could walk the red carpet. But for a long time after my father died, I was going home to my one bedroom apartment, barely surviving, making ends meet with my one salary. So when the reality hits you, you don't understand. But when the reality hits, the cameras are gone. The people are gone, the protesters are gone because when this happens in such a rush, I got you, sis. I'm here for you. If you need me, I'm here. But when the cameras go away, you're gone too. On to the next story. But for us, this is forever. So I started um, doing the 11 days of action. In the midst of all of this, I started the support group um, where we meet every Monday. Um, it just so happened that everything, everybody's schedule aligned and we are able to meet on Mondays at nine o'clock. And we discussed some real things, things that we can't talk to our therapists about because they're going to lock us up in a crazy house. And, you know, they're going to say, oh, you need medication. You need this. You need that. And it's just like, I don't know what I need, but I know that I need something to help. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm not talking about alcohol. I'm not talking about a party. I'm not talking, I'm, I need something because when this comes up on the TV, I'm sitting by myself. I'm not married. I don't have no husband. I'm single. So there, there's, there's nobody there but the children. You, you can't lean on the children. They're, you, they're looking at you to be strong. So what is my thing? What is my it? So this is why we started um, having the support group calls because this healing is needed. And when I hear my sister of the movements, Darlene say, I don't, I don't feel this. I don't feel that. I don't feel this. All I feel is anger, hurt, frustration. I don't have answers. I'm confused. And it's all the same things that I say. I could truly understand. But where do we begin to get that help? Where are the therapists who understand what we're going through? Where are the people who can talk back with some, with some real understanding and some real, like, you know, solutions? What is going to help us sleep at night? What is going to help us go forward and be strong for, the, for our other children? Where is it? So this is why we started this. And I thank um, Deanne for understanding that this is needed and that the support that we need is going to come, is going to be more than just a Zoom call. It's going to be more than just, I can refer you to this lawyer. I'm tired of calling numbers to people that don't answer. I leave a message. They don't call me back. I send a text. They don't text me back. They don't even tell me, listen, I don't have the answers for you. They just don't answer and that's even more frustrating. The not knowing is killing us. So we would like to know like what is out there for us? What is gonna be the help? Thank you for that. And thank you Emerald for being able to organize a space, hearing that there is a need for people to come together um, and all of your visionary work in thinking about how do we respond when there has been direct violence and impact that's happening in community. Um, and a part of that spot, um, response that we've been able to see uh, through the work that Darlene McDay does, I wanna shift over to Darlene so that you can speak into that work in the way that you want to tell us a little bit of, about how you came into the work and what you're doing um, to try to get to that change that Emerald was speaking about. I can hear me. Okay. 
Hold on just one minute because now I can't hear you. Okay, you can hear me, right? Okay. So uh, my name is Darlene McDay. And I came into this work, um, like many of us, not through the want to come into this type of work, not because this is a type of work I do, but really through necessity. Because those of us that have lost someone that we love, specifically due to government officials violation of our loved one's rights, we are looking for some purpose and some meaning. And often we're aligning ourselves with people fighting for uh, changes in the criminal justice system. But then a lot of times we also find ourselves suffering and alone and feeling isolated in those times where we just have our own thoughts to sit with. So what brought me to this, this fight is my son. My son Dante was 22 years old in 2017. He was in a facility in upstate New York in Buffalo, 425 miles away from me. I received a phone call one morning from someone that was incarcerated saying that my son was beaten by about 15 officers. They said that his head and face were completely deformed by this beating and he was hogtied and possibly thrown down the stairs. And after I struggled to find out information and called the facility, got the runaround, hours later, I received the phone call that my son was dead. After two weeks of waiting for his body to come home and finally seeing him for the first time, not being able to recognize my son and basically being treated like garbage from the Department of Corrections, not getting any information at all, not getting any help. I realized how alone and how isolated a person is that has a loved one that dies, whether it be in prison or whether it be on the street due to police and the fact that you cannot get any information. And it is an unbelievable loneliness and an unbelievable struggle to try to fight every day for justice for your loved one. And even though people say that they support you, your struggles, like Emerald said, do not end. They keep going day after day. For Emerald, it's been many years. For me, it's been five years. And for Tamara, it's only been 10 years. Uh, I'm sorry, 10 months. 10 months. And for Denise, two weeks. And I'd like to say it gets better, but that pain never, ever goes away. So we fight to make changes. And one of the changes that I'm trying to make oh, along with Katarina is ending qualified immunity in New York so that we can start to hold any government official that violates our rights 
accountable for their actions because we wanna see the system change. We want real change and we want institutional change and that will not end when we can't hold people accountable. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that um, Darlene and explaining how you were coming in and, and we hold space and honor for um, your loss, much like Eric Gardner's loss. Um, in the same way that we're thinking about the work that you do um, and recognizing all of the capacity that it takes and that um, it's hard to even begin to think about healing when there's reoccurring harm. Um, and that has a great impact on how you're able to show up every day. So we appreciate that you're able to show up on this call in the same way that Tamara Carter, we appreciate you even as you are driving and transport, coming back from, um, if you wanna share um, what it was that you were awarded with today because of the work that you're doing and then how you also came into this work. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, my name is Tamara Carter. And as Jay was saying, I coming from a little graduation party for advocacy. Um, for Freedom Agenda. I'm also proud to be affiliated with Darlene in ending qualified immunity in New York. Um, unfortunately, I came into the fight or wanting to fight the day of August 10th, 2021, where my son, I would say, was murdered in Rikers Island. He didn't last a week. He was beat up by other inmates, detainees, excuse me. And um, violently extracted from his cell and put in a shower cell that's also known as that's where he passed away in a shower cell, no bed, nothing, just to lay on the floor after being discharged from the hospital. After them knowing he had multiple sclerosis, them knowing he suffered from ADHD, them knowing he was bipolar, was put in solitary confinement to fight his demons and whatever demons were following him in there. So, it's now 11 months and two days that my son has been gone. And um, I'm proud to be here because it's important for me to represent my son. And that's how I will live the rest of my days is representing my son, Brandon Rodriguez. Thank you. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you for the level of advocacy that you've been able to find the strength and the energy to be able to um, try to have change and transition for those folks who are impacted that we lose um, as a part of our community, which is a loss to all of us. Um, and I know that this is new for you, Ms. Denise. And so welcome you, welcoming you into the call to speak into your story and how you came, have come today and also okay. how you've been experiencing being a part of the Healing Justice Initiative that Emerald has envisioned. 
Okay. Well, my story started on May 26 while I was at work. I received a call from the prison. Um, and they told me that he had passed away and had been picked up by the medical examiner's office. And um, I should call the medical examiner's office so that I can go and view his body. So I didn't know. Um, I thought I was supposed to go there because I've never been through this. So when I called them, they told me I need to have someone come pick up the body, like a funeral home. So I had the cremation place go pick up his body. And I went to view his body there. And I was not intending on taking pictures of my son. But when I saw the bruises all across his face is discolored. His nose is discolored like it had been broken. He has a very large lump on the back of his head. And also on the front of his head is a small lump with like um, a mark going down like he was hit with something. So um, I have a lawyer and, and I'm just fighting for justice for my son. Right now, I do not even have an autopsy report, death certificate or anything saying what happened or how he died. So I'm hearing that can take approximately another 60 to 90 days. Um, so it's happened on May 26th and I'm just looking for answers because I, I have no clue what happened. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Denise. And recognizing how recently um, the violent impact is that you've had. Um, thank you for being yes. here in, in this. You're welcome. And I also, let me say that I, this group to me is better than therapy. Like I had an appointment this morning with a therapist and it really was just intake and them asking me a bunch of questions. Like, am I trying to kill myself and stuff like that over and over again? And I just got really agitated and aggravated. So I, I like this kind, this is more therapy for me. I don't know about anybody else, but I prefer this and I really appreciate being a part of it. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that Emerald's um, vision was able to provide a space for you for that you can get yes. some of the things that you need, um, especially as this is a new wound that is for you. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking into that, we have um, Diane Waterman, who is on the phone with us, um, who has been a champion and an advocate. Um, herself has been directly impacted, but also a champion and an advocate um, through a number of agencies working um, towards figuring out a way to support people who have been directly impacted. And so we're going to open the space up to you, Ms. Waterman, to speak into your history of experience um, before we shift over to different platforms of being able to amplify these stories. Good evening. Good evening. And um, what comes to my mind is uh, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me and let us all try to in the midst of hearing these stories about mothers, my story is different, but I'm still a mother who 
feels like she's lost her son. I haven't seen, my son has been incarcerated for 25 years and I can count on my fingers how many times I've seen him and hearing your stories, you know, just, just, I, I'm a mother and it affects me just hearing your stories about your sons. I have three sons and my, my whole thing is, is that just like Emerald says, what, what can we do to change this world to become a place of peace? And, and it's, it's an upward battle, an upward battle. Every, and it seems like it's getting worse in respect to you know, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But I have been fighting for family since I was 12 years old. And my mother said, you're not going to make no money doing that. But it wasn't about the money. It was about families and supporting families and their children and their mothers. And, and I'm 73, so you know that's, that's 60 years that I've been in various different roles of authority, deanship, directorship, and even currently working with foster children who are in college. And so I, you know, my heart is hurting for these mothers because I'm a mother. And we have to do something in respect to fighting for peace for the children that are alive, the young men who walk the streets. Because last week, a young man was murdered 60 bullets. And when you, yesterday, we talked about Amadou Diallo just pulling out his wallet, got 90 shots in his body. And why? Why? So we, we, we're, we're advocating for each other and we're also advocating for those that come behind us to stand for peace because peace can occur, but it's a battle. And we know it's a battle, we're up with battle, but we're gonna do it together. So thank you. Thank you. And yes, uh, there's different ways of us being able to um, stand for peace um, and be in this battle. And one of the spaces and places um, that has been really instrumental and helpful in that work is when we're able to amplify our stories um, on larger platforms. And today we have a Ton Thomas and the Ton Thomas, we have invited onto this call in particular because um, as I was speaking into earlier, when Emerald uh, experienced her loss, Atan was organizing um, to speak into all of the trauma and the violence that was happening specifically to young black males um, and was able to gather a large group of young people into um, a conference um, and allowed Emerald on her platform to speak into um, some of the things that would be important for those young people to consider. And that platform does allows those narratives and stories to be amplified. And so thank you, Atan, for being here today and just offering the space to you to be able to speak into what it is like to be in a, as a person of influence, to hear these stories and to be thinking about how it is that you can support um, the healing, the beginning, the, the seeds of healing for folks that have been impacted with violence. Well, thank you for um, inviting me into this space. Um, 
you know, first I've, I've known Emerald for a while now. And the um, conference that, you know, Jay was referring to was during NBA All-Star Weekend when it was in New York um, many years ago. And, um, you know, I'm a re retired NBA player. Um, and I organized a Black Lives Matter um, kind of conference, um, you know, in Harlem and at a, at a, at a church there. And, um, you know, I wanted Emerald to be, to invite Emerald there just to show her the support of the community. Um, you know, it really, it, it was really fresh. It was really new. And, you know, I saw all the, the pain in some of the, the, the coverage and I saw everything. I just wanted her to feel the support. And it's so amazing seeing her now from that point. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a time where she wasn't really sure if she wanted to say anything. And I said, no problem. You can just come there and just, just listen and watch and everything like that. And if you feel like saying something, you can say something. Um, and she ended up addressing, um, the, the, the audience and, you know, we had like 2,500, you know, young black and Latino men, and she started to encourage them and thank them for their support. And they gave her a standing ovation. And so from that point on, you know, Emerald was kind of just empowered just to be, you know, a full activist and advocating for, you know, her father and then also helping other impacted family members who are also dealing with um, loss and tragedy. And it, it's something that, you know, she didn't want to be in this position Um and she didn't want to take on this 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 mantle, but she she stepped right into it. And seeing what she's doing now, I mean, she just finished writing her book that's going to be coming out in the fall. And it's she she's using her um, ability to be able to help other impacted family members because she is able to 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 create something that she was missing. Um, and she's talking about the. Um, you know, how things are therapeutic and the type of therapy that she needed and the type of, you know, um, um, community that she needed and, and all of that. And, and it's something that she always expressed that she, it was missing from her. You know, she wasn't getting that type of help. She always talked about how, you know, yeah, everybody wanted to help and, and say they got you and everything like that when the, when everything was like trending and every time I was talking about you know, her father and, and I can't breathe and everything else. But then after a while, everything kind of went away and she was just left there to kind of put the pieces together. She lost her sister, you know, and then she took on her sister's children and she's still fighting for, you know, Daniel Pantaleo to be fired. And at the same time, she's trying to heal, you know, herself while she's fighting, you know, for justice for her father. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so admirable to, to see the level of strength and the courage that she's been, been able to, um, you know, see a need and also try to reach her arms around to help, you know, other impacted family members um, who were, who are where she was um, because it's been years now, but she sees other people and seeing what they need. So really, you know, the, the work that, that she is doing um, is it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I really want to encourage you know, all of you all, all the impacted family members um, to know that, you know, when, when you, when you kind of lean on each other and work with each other and there's strength in numbers, I always tell Emerald there's strength in numbers, 
and you know being able to get that therapy from each other and bounce things off of each other and then band with each other to be able to help to push whether it's for laws to be changed or for you know to hold different police officers accountable or to be able to create spaces where different impacted family members can get the therapy and the the help that they need from each other because it's something special y'all have a special bond with each other so being able to use you know, a platform, you know, I was blessed to be able to play in the NBA. So to be able to use that platform to help to amplify, you know, that is something that's really a blessing um, for me to be able to have, but then also try to connect with different people and, and push different athletes to kind of do the same that have even bigger platforms um, is, is what my passion is. But, but seeing and hearing the stories, more people do need to hear these stories. And they need to understand that there is a whole story behind the hashtag. You know, sometimes people see the story and they, they pay attention for a little while and they move past to the next one. But, but hearing the stories and hearing, you know, the, 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 the pain and the trauma, you know, of the impacted family members, you know, you, you want to be able to prick some of the stone hearts of people who, who, who wouldn't pay attention as much to be able to bring them along to be able to push for justice. So I really commend all of you all for having the courage to be able to share your stories and really you know, want to encourage you um, to just continue, to continue leaning on each other for help, um, leaning on each other for, for guidance, for support and everything like that. So um, that's, that's, that's all I could really say. Thank you, that, that's a lot. You brought up um, a number of things that I did want to speak into. Um, when we were having one of our healing uh, justice calls, Darlene, you mentioned that um, someone was trying to be encouraging and supportive of you by saying that it's okay um, to not be okay. And you spoke to what the impact of hearing that was. And um, I don't know if you have the capacity to speak into that um, at that at this moment. If you do, that's fantastic. I also want to acknowledge that after you do that, I am seeing that another one of our community members who's directly impacted was able to join our call, uh, Ms. Tisa Wack, and um, was also able to utilize um, uh, storytelling to be able to organize a number of people to share um, the impact. And so we'd love to be able to hear from you. So Darlene, and then I'll pass it to Tisa. Uh, yeah. So just to talk about uh, what Jay was saying. Yeah, I mean, people talk about, and, and Emerald's kind of mentioned this before, people talk about, you know, say how you feel, speak your truth. And it's like, if I say how I feel, I'm going to get thrown in a mental institution, in a jail, or God knows what, because the feelings that you feel are so overwhelming. And if I say how I feel, I'll make everybody else miserable, because I'll be a miserable person to be around. So it's kind of like you swallow all of this pain and hurt just to get up in the morning, just to go to work, just to, you know, try to be a participating member of society. But again, it's this really, really oppressive, non-transparent system that is 
literally killing people. Literally, you start to age while you're trying to find out this information, while you're waiting for justice, while you're, you know, begging for information. You literally start to age, you start to get sick, you start to develop high blood pressure, you start to forget things. You know, these are all the things that I think many people cannot even imagine, cannot understand. And you often hear that, I can't imagine. And I was just saying the other day, I often say, I can't imagine. And then I look and I say, what the hell am I talking about? I'm living it. But you disassociate yourself sometimes just to get through a moment or a day or a week. And you don't want to even think that far ahead. So, yeah, I, I don't think that we can actually just be ourselves and say how we feel and, you know, go to therapy. And I'm not saying don't go to therapy, but as Denise just said, it's really, really hard to connect to a therapist when you've been through something like this when you're dealing with a criminal justice system, let's call it, or injustice system as many people call it. When you're dealing with an agency that basically says, I don't have to tell you anything. And there's like no help for you and nobody to make them tell you anything. You try to go through court, you try to go through a judge, but you still get no information. It's the slowest process. And like we were talking yesterday, Tamara couldn't even get the son's belongings and it crushes her. And it makes me sick that she couldn't even get his belongings. That's, that's how little they care. So it's, it's, it's really bad, but thank you. And I'm glad that, um, you know, we have organizations like the Peace Alliance that create a lot of opportunities for people to share these stories, which is, um, as Tom was saying, I'm sorry, I was talking on mute. <laughs> but what I was saying is thank you for sharing that. Um, and what I really appreciate about the Peace Alliance is that there are a number of opportunities that allow for people to share their stories, because as Atan was saying, it is absolutely critical for us to be hearing these stories because when transformation has occurred, especially on this land in America, it has been because the stories of the violence and the trauma has been told enough for people to create some empathy um, and develop some human dignity to be able to think about what are the different ways that we can vision living and being humane with one another. So it's a critical thing um, to share these stories, to hear these stories so that we are considering them as we're thinking about what it looks like to actually be trying to do peace building, especially here, because the level of violence really is comparable to the level of violence that is happening in other war-torn countries. We're having war here and people are really experiencing that war. Um, and speaking into that and speaking into the storytelling, we have Tisa Wack, who was able to um, uh, have a, a book that um, does do a lot of storytelling about um, some of the impact. And thank you for being here with us, Tisa. Well, thank you very much for the invite. I apologize for being late. I actually was leaving one um, meeting and trying to rush home to get to this one. Um, like she said, my name is Tisa Wack and I'm from Somerville, South Carolina, right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. 
And my son, Tyrell, my only child, he was murdered in on November 30th, 2015, um, along with his 21-year-old friend. Um, this day, I, it's been seven years, going on seven years this, this year, and it still feels like yesterday. Um, I think about the fact that all of the things that he should have been here for. He, he, he was married maybe two or three months before he was killed. Um, to his high school sweetheart. Um, they had a two-year-old little boy who turned three, four days after his father died. Um, we literally was planning a funeral, but yet trying to, you know, give a sense of normalcy to my grandson um, by having a birthday party. They had already planned to go out of town. Um, we tried to fulfill, you know, that day for him as much as possible, but you got a three-year-old who's with his daddy every day. Um, and he's asking where his dad at. Dad is at because he doesn't understand the concept of death. You know, he's two. He's he's you know just turned three years old. Um, you got his wife that didn't. You know, she didn't have their son to be a single mother. Um, you know, my son had such an amazing personality. He was to the point where he made every last family member or friend think that they were the favorite. And in a sense, he was. They were because he made everyone feel like they were that special to him. Um, he loved his cousins, his aunties. Um, he loved family in general. Anything that had to do with family, he was right there for it. Um, fortunately, the young man who killed my son and his friend, um, Jamal, um, he was caught. He was um, sentenced to life in prison, two life sentences without the possibility of parole. But I know that's not the same justice that everyone else gets. But then also you think that having that sentence and knowing that this person's been locked up for the rest of their life, we should feel some type of peace. You know, we did that moment that we left that courthouse and we jumped up and we celebrated. It was like, yes, he's in jail. I woke up that next morning and it didn't mean anything because my son wasn't here. So I decided that day because the night that my son was killed, I think, um, you know, through family and, and law enforcement being at the house, I, I, I slept in my uh, walk-in closet because it was the quietest place I could go at. And I could hide in there and not face reality that my son was gone. But it came to a point maybe a year or so in, I thought to myself, what would my son want me to do? Um, he was my motivator. Um, and I can hear him saying, now, mom, what's up? What's up? And I said, I have to do something. I have to be the voice of my son. Um, and me and another young lady um, whose son was killed in the same exact neighborhood the year before my son her only child, um, her son, daughter was born four days after her, he, he died. So our lives were kind of parallel. We met through mutual friends. And we would always talk about being the voices of our son and that's where birth, we are their voices, which is a nonprofit that I have um, in, in our area. And we support survivors of gun violence. I think I kind of got in on the middle of the conversation, but I heard a lot of people talking about um, space for survivors and after the crowd is gone and after the house is empty and the next day is quiet, you know, we knew that we had to support each other as survivors because no one else would understand how what we were going through and how we felt. It's kind of like that conversation that I could have with a survivor of gun violence, um, a mother, a father, you know, someone who's close to that person, that they would understand how I felt versus if I was talking to someone who never experienced that. Because you didn't want to say certain things in front of them because either they want to think you were crazy or they would think you were the mean person because you didn't have empathy. And 
people are telling you you need to forgive for yourself. And I say, well, what if I don't want to forgive? I don't think I have, yeah, I can be demanded to forgive somebody who took something away from us. And, you know, those are just my true feelings about it. But through that, I became um, involved in advocacy work. Um, I do work with Moms Demand Action um, and was also a part of um, organization even before that um, called Taking Back Our Village, where we promoted police and community involvement and engagement. We do, and that's where I was coming from before I got here. We were planning our eighth annual Back to School Cops and Kids Bash, where we get community and kids and cops together to really kind of get to know each other. Um, and then through this work, um, I met young ladies um, through Moms Demand Action and across the country. And we came together and wrote a book and it's called um, Beautiful Resilience. And it's the stories of um, um, mothers who um, kids were taken due to gun violence. Although it may have happened in different circumstances, some may have um, been through police violence, some may have been through domestic violence. Um, we have one that actually son is a survivor. He's injured, he's paralyzed. He's never been able to verbally speak since his he's been shot but his mother still has the tragedy of what happened to her son. Um, but I found that my biggest thing was in this journey, in this club that none of us asked to be a part of, that unless I spoke up for my son and spoke up and be a voice for him, that his voice would be forgotten. And I didn't want his son to grow up not knowing who his father was and that his life meant something. And, you know, I, I get sad and I have my moments where, you know, I just want to give everything up and just be in a closet, back in that closet, not helping or doing anything. But then we have families that come to me even after my son has been um, killed that I see they need that support. And we talked about therapy earlier and not really relating to a therapist that may, you know, be able to connect with you. You know, fortunately, um, life has been able to place a young lady in our lives, um, Dr. Zakivia Lewis in Charleston. And she's faced gun violence and death. Her father was murdered by gun violence. Her first boyfriend was murdered in front of her as a teenager. And we met through um, a running group called Black Girls Run and we were talking and she knew about my organization. And I told her I wanted to do a, a um, support group for um, survivors of gun violence. And I asked her to facilitate it without hesitation. She's done it. She's related to these people She's been able to connect with them like no other. They've been able to open up to her as a therapist because she can personally relate to the situation. And I think that's what we're missing in the world of the care of a survivor and the things that we want to say and not be judged for. Because I went to therapy before from um, at least about a year and I walked away from that therapist still not feeling that I connected or I could really express how I felt in front of her or to that therapist. But when I came to Dr. Z, as we call her, she was able to allow us to open up. And I mean, she, she, she's such an awesome lady. She, she gives our members of our support group um, like the first five sessions are free so she can really connect with them, assess it. And then she, she puts them on the sliding scale in order to be able to um, pay for the services. Um, so one thing about the resilience that and what made me agree to be in the book, because I knew that someone had to hear the story, because if they heard my story and could see that I could survive that moment and put some purpose back into the death of my son, that somebody else, it can motivate somebody else to do the same thing. Um, it, it's, it's a difficult role to be in, and it's not one that I want to ever have any other new families go through, but it's a reality of what we're going through. And 
with the gun violence that's going on, not just the mass shootings that get all the media and all the news. It's talking about watching that daily nightly news or hearing about a mutual friend whose child has been killed or um, just watching the nightly news and seeing another statistic hit the um, screen. So that's a lot of what drives my passion. And then also for my grandson to see me fighting for something, because I think about all the things that that he wishes his dad was here for. But then also I think about all the things that his dad was supposed to be here to see. Like this kid is a diehard NFL fan. He's nine years old and he can probably watch football with the best of the best. Grown men are like confused that they sit down watching football with a kid. But he has a passion and love for sports. And that's something his father is missing, his passion. He misses his passion for math, his passion for school, and just a kind, being a kind kid. So, you know, I don't think that the perpetrators of these offenses understand what they take away from people. They take the future of. And that's not something that they had the right to do. So this is why I do what I do. Thank you. Really appreciate um, all of the opportunities to have of the storytelling of what is really going on after someone has experienced violence, that the fact that it becomes a social determinant of health, the fact that there is real impact, and the fact that there are a number of themes that I heard um, being spoken into as we're thinking about what peace building looks like. And just to reflect some of the things I'm, I'm hearing that an opportunity to be able to amplify the stories um, is critical to being able to have a group of people that understand the experience that you've gone through to talk to as a part of the bereavement support um, that answers need to be had and met, um, that resources need to be provided um, especially when people are at a state where they can't, they are um, having so so much impact that they can't go through, you know, the processes to get um, what they need to have done. Um, in addition to also hearing that it's critical to be thoughtful and considerate of the normal things that we would say in our culture that we are offering to folks. Um, with the intention of creating peace for them could be really harmful and re-traumatizing, especially when what has impacted them continues to occur over and over and over again. So when we're thinking about being peace builders and we're um, thinking about who's impacted and the level of violence that um, is occurring in community on all different types of scales and levels that's really important for us to be reaching out to those who can really speak into what the needs are to be able to build peace. And so I'm thankful that we had this group of, of folks to be on this call with us and to share their stories, um, to share their needs, um, to make time to be a part of a club that nobody asks to be a part of, but that it is a club that does exist. Um, and those are folks that uh, we hold really dear and near to our hearts. Um, and also thankful for folks like Atan, who 
make time also to try to be in support of amplifying these stories in the way that they can and the way that the Peace Alliance um, does as well. And for all of the story capturers, I see friends like DJ Chandler that are on the line, um, for all of the folks that are working um, in partnership and alignment um, to create policy. Um, a lot of the work that the Peace Alliance does is advocating for policy that could um, create some change in addition to um, um, building a Department of Peace that could speak into and create a space for um, people who have been directly impacted to share their stories and have something done about it to achieve some type of justice. Um, all of those things are super important. Um, and we are thankful for that. And I'm seeing, you know, uh, people sharing love and thanks for the work that has been done um, for years and years and years. So we really appreciate it. I am um, recognizing that we have four minutes until nine o'clock, um, checking in with how people want to continue the conversation and wondering if there's any questions that anyone has um, in this moment. Questions, actually, comments, thoughts. Um, can I make the comment? Please. So another thing that I just wanted to add as well was that, um, you know, one thing we found with the survivors that we work with is that we um, do a lot of practice on self-care because, you know, we take a lot from ourselves to give to others to help heal. But then also sometimes through this process, through courts and, and you know, just people understanding, sometimes we forget about ourselves. And I think earlier I heard someone talk about people getting physically ill from all of the stress and the pressure. So one thing we started doing was like these self-care series. We do, we are doing yoga for survivors. We're doing gardening sessions. Um, we're going to be doing painting sessions just for them to bring, bring them in a space where I know we don't forget what happens, but bringing us a space where it's not the primary thought and kind of take care of ourselves because we know that, you know, this, this, can be very stressful and it can bring on other health issues that um, can cause you um, problems. So um, that's one thing that I, I say for any survivor, try to practice some self-care. Um, even if it's morning meditation, something to find and a grounding for yourself. Um, I found that that helps for me and I always like to share that advice with others. Thank you. That's, that's important, so important. Um, and I would love to hear from our other guests on the call, some of the things that are as helpful as they can be, um, as you are never forgetting and still trying to heal. Um, so I'll open it up. I well, hear you, Ms. Denise, yes. Yes, for me, it's speaking to people who's going through the same thing. And it's also giving a type of energy in me that makes me wanna fight for other people. And so that's why I feel like anytime I'm invited to a Zoom or to a meeting, I should show up because I'm not only fighting for my son. There's so many other people going through the same thing. And there is power in numbers. So I'm proud to be a part of this. And I don't want my son to be forgotten and, or his children to not know anything about him. Or for them to think that he wasn't important to me because I didn't fight for him. Yeah. Thank you so much, Denise. Appreciate you. Tamara, are you able to rejoin and let us know? Yes. 
I'm home. <laughs> um, I just want to say, you know, my son was a knucklehead. <laughs> and um, through his mental illness, he used to think that I didn't love him. So I hope he sees the fight that I have for him and the fight that I will continue. And he knows now that I love him with all my heart. And that's why I'm here and that's why I'm going to continue. And I'm grateful for you ladies because it, it is isolating when you feel like uh, no one understands, you know? So I'm proud to be doing this. I'm proud to be a part of the healing on Mondays. Thank you, Emerald. And um, I'm here and I, I thank everyone. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Jay, yeah. um, I just want us all to know that there is love love amongst all of us and the fight is for love you know all of this gun violence and bang bang shoot them up I, I think about the 60s where we sang about love so much you know and, and, and we need to bring love back into the center of, of our community and so I um, send blessings and love to all of us as mothers, you know, we're, we're praying for peace. Thank you. Thank you. Our mothers and our fathers, I appreciate that. Um, and just finding different ways to experience love is what I'm hearing um, is a critical component. And Darlene, I wanted to go to you before I take it back. Uh, to Emma. Can you hear me? We can, yes. Okay. Yeah, I can't come on video because I'm driving, but I have Bluetooth. Okay. So I would just like to add to that, um, you know, the all really good suggestions that everyone had. And um, Tamara, Brandon knows that you love him. Believe me, he does. My son was the same way, but he knows that I love him. And I would just like to add to it that for those supporters, of everyone. Darlene, we might have lost you because we heard for those supporters of everyone. I don't know if we can get Darlene back. I'm going to offer. Okay, I see. Oh, yeah, okay. Can you hear me right now? Yes, those supporters okay. of everyone. Mm -hmm. So, for those supporters to everyone, um, don't forget that the people that are suffering, you know, sometimes don't even have the strength to reach out. Mm. So, remember them and reach out to them because they might not even have that strength to reach out. And I think often people forget that, you know, they see that person smiling or laughing or whatever, but we all know the old saying, the tears of a clown. And it is so true when it comes to someone that is suffering. So just reach out to those people and, and really truly make sure they're, they're not okay. I mean, even saying, are you okay? They're not okay, but to really be, a supportive person to them. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it to reach out and show up um, and continue to make those connections is, is really critical um, in the healing and the peace that we need. And I'm going to send it back to you, Emeralds, our visionary. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm having a moment here, but um, I just want to thank these beautiful, strong, resilient, wonderful, amazing, kind, strong, um, caring, empathetic, um, just amazing, powerful women um, that decided to tap into my, my support group. Um, you know, it came about because, you know, Katarina texted me and she's like, you know, I want to find some therapy options and what, what helped you? And I'm just like, nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing helped. And I'm just like, you know what? We could therapize ourselves because it's like, what, like where, where do we go? But I'm glad that like, we're open to people stepping in. I'm so happy that, um, um, Ms. Wack was like, you know, we got a, we got a therapist who could, um, who could relate, who does that. Like, that's happy. That's like music to my ears. And like, you know, hearing um, Denise just say like, you know, this is what I need right now. Like maybe regular therapy in the future, but this is what I need. And this is what I look forward to every week. Um, you know, I go through the weekend and then when I get to Monday, it's like, okay, you know, it's, I get to like, let it out, decompress, you know, get my true feelings out without feeling judged. And um, like I told them, I was like, this is your space. Uh, this is what we're going to do. Last night um, when we had the meeting, Jay was like, this is your space. Is this any problems? Or if, if you feel like you don't want to talk or you do want to talk, just let us know because we don't want to force people into things. And a lot of the times I say like, you know, if you don't know something about someone's story, like share as much or as little as you want. And we could Google the rest because we know everything is, is, is on Google. So it just doesn't make sense to re-traumatize them because this is something that you can find out on your own. It doesn't have to come from their mouth. It's, it's, it's online. You can read it there. So just like ask a question that you can't Google. Ask something that, you know, that can't be, you know, Ask something that could be Instacarted to us <laughs> or sent through Amazon. Ask us those type of questions. Like, do you need a blanket? Do you, do you need some groceries? Do you, do you need some ices? It's hot outside or something like that. And it's like, we get to joke, we get to laugh, we get to let our hair down. And that's that's what we needed. So I appreciate all of you guys. I appreciate you, Deanne. I appreciate you, Jay. I appreciate you, Tamara, Diane, you know, Katarina, everybody, you know, that just... Tamara, even though Lisa is not here, I appreciate her too. Um, you know, I just appreciate everybody, even Darlene, you know, I just, I just love it. When she's like, hold on, I have somebody for that. Oh, that's what, oh, really? That's what you were dealing with? I have somebody that for that. So it's just like, that's just like, it's, I, I, I love my girls. <laughs> and I'm going to end by saying that, that um, we all we got and, um, there's good we're, we're gonna make it out of this i don't know what i don't know when i don't know how but we're gonna get there i love that we're all we got um a big community that is here together to be in support of one another and thank you deanne uh i'm gonna send it back to you wow um i'm just sitting in in 
very deep gratitude for everyone that joined us and shared their stories and shared their loved ones with us. Um, and I, I want to acknowledge the deep sorrow um, that you are all experiencing and, um, and also the, the light that I see coming from each of you as you share about those that you, um, that you hold close to your heart every day even if they're no longer on this realm. So I just thank you all for being with us tonight. And for those of us, everyone who has stayed with us, we did run a little long and that's okay. It's um, amazing. Got a really cool Is that me? So I'm just going to keep going through the feedback. I'm not sure we've got some background music. That's pretty nice. Um, anyway, uh, just want to say thank you to everyone for being Remember when we talked about those Zoom trolls? Yeah. <laughs> there were being trolls. All right. Oh, I think they want a music battle because, you know, I could turn on my surround sound. <laughs> All right. So I just asked them to leave, which I'm so sorry to have done that. But um, anyway, so um, anyway, I just want to say thank you to everyone for being with us. Uh, for those of you who are just learning about the Peace Alliance, um, we welcome your voices. We welcome um, your stories. We are always trying to um, see where we can be of service in trying to create peace, a more peaceful society and a more peaceful world. Um, we do this through advocacy. We do it through education. Um, and, and so there's lots of ways uh, that we can try to amplify um, the stories and try to impact the policies that our national and state and local governments are making. Um, in trying to reduce violence specifically, um, violence and, um, and, and eradicate some of the harm um, that we know folks are suffering every day. So uh, we welcome you to join us if you're interested in getting involved and, um, and being more um, uh, uh, a bigger part of the Peace Alliance and what we're doing. Uh, there's a, a link in the chat that you can click to, to join our, our mailing list. We send out emails uh, every Monday to let you know what our programs are. All of our programs can be found on our calendar, so I won't spend a lot of time talking about that. Um, but uh, we, we know that there's uh, a world out there that needs our help to shift, and, um, and we just want to be of service as best we can to make that happen. So I'm very grateful to all of you for being with us. Thank you to Jay and Emerald and Etan for, um, for facilitating. And thank you to all of our um, mothers who brought their stories um, to us. And we wish blessings, <laughs> peace, and ease to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Dion. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I just want to ask a question. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance.
found at peacealliance.org.